Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three step drop, throws on the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping again and looking again and looking again. Throws up in the head. Hey, at the 30. Derrick Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 29. He's Derrick Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. Yeah. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And there are the cannons go. Fire them. Keep yeah. on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast, live on YouTube today. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Been a couple months since I called you the Philly Bucks fan himself, but for anyone confused, uh, that title has not changed. I think, I think honestly, ever since you just started writing for... For Bucks Nation, I just forget to throw it in there. It's a, it's a, it's a mouthful. It's a one hell of a title. <laughs> it, it's a lot, yeah. yeah it is uh, when when you have when you have more than one like name before your name, it it it, it can be a lot. So it's okay. Yeah, we've seen a couple of pro wrestlers have that same issue over their time. But today we are here to talk a little bit more about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' Week Two victory over the Chicago Bears, but. We have also got some running back rumors regarding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which are always fun this time of year. Uh, for anyone who missed it, running back two for the Bucs, Chase Edmonds, went down in that game against Chicago. Seems like the Bucs are going to lose him to injury for at least a couple of weeks, as now he has a very high possibility of winding up on the IR. So the Bucs are in a position now where they either have to power forward with what they already have at the running back position or potentially make a couple of phone calls. And uh, one of the phone calls reportedly made was to the L.A. Rams this week who are looking to ship off running back Cam Akers, who is kind of in a very, very tough spot to be in with the Rams. I, I got to say, you hear more and more about how Sean McVay just doesn't really like the guy. Like, I, I, I don't know what's going on with him in L.A., uh, but it is not working out, and here we are coming up on week three. He is a potential trade candidate. A couple of other teams have called, but the Bucks were one of them. Now, that obviously does not mean a deal gets done, and that obviously does not mean the Bucks do not have faith with what they have left in that running back room, which is what they have said before. Uh, but, Evan, what is your first reaction to potential news of the Bucks being interested in Cam Akers? Yeah, you know, the interesting thing, um, and not to pour completely cold water on this, but Scott Reynolds had come out, uh, article from Pewter Report and, and kind of did just that, um, on the, the Buccaneers possibility for trading for Cam Akers. And I mean, we'll, we'll still discuss it. I'm not going to completely, you know, not discuss it because, you know, it, it was news, right? It was, it was news reported by Jordan Schultz, who, who's a pretty credible, uh, you know, like analyst and reporter in his own right. So uh, Scott Reynolds did say, though, Pewter Report has learned that it might have been the other way around with the Rams calling to see if the Bucks were interested in dealing for the former Florida State star uh, instead. And he also says that the Bucks won't be trading for Cam Akers. But with that being said, 
he said, you know, something yet, right? And it, it could happen. So I, I think uh, the Bucks. Maybe they weren't the ones to reach out, but they have clearly had some dialogue, I think, with the Rams over the past few days uh, about a potential trade. And just I don't like like you said, I don't know if it means like, look, they don't think Rashad White's the guy or anything like that. I don't know if it means that because Cam Akers is fine running back. Like he's fine, but like he's not like it's not like they're talking about Jonathan Taylor. It's not like they're talking about something like that. Cam Akers is more of a complimentary piece, a guy that you can throw into your rotation of backs more so than a, oh, you're going to give this guy the ball 20 times a game. Not really that type of player. So I don't really think it has much to do with Rashad White. I will say I have been a little bit disappointed with Rashad White through the first two weeks. I know he was better last week. Uh, It still didn't feel like he was much better last week, honestly. Like I I was said on the postgame show, like I was surprised like they had that many rushing yards because it just it didn't feel like that. So uh, I I do think, though, he has a few more weeks to sort of rev it up. Like I'm not really overly concerned, uh, just a little bit disappointed here in the early going but uh hopefully he can get going a little bit more as he gets more acclimated to this new offense and everything so he's still trying to learn it and i I think that the bucks maybe acquisition of probably not but maybe acquisition of cam makers uh would provide just more depth because honestly you know for all the hype sean Tucker got in the preseason like yeah, you know, it's been really like, I mean, he didn't really show up at all versus Chicago. Like, they get, what, seven carries for eight yards or something. Like, it wasn't that productive against Chicago. Hasn't really been much of a factor in the passing game also. So, um, he's been a little bit disappointing. At the same time, he's an undrafted free agent. Like, he sort of sort of what you get, I, I think. Could he have been a draft pick? Yeah, for sure. Like, if he had was 100% healthy. But at the same time, like you're sort of starting to see like he would have been a day three pick and there's a reason for that. So as far as acres goes, like, like I said, we'll get into the player, uh, but I don't think their potential trade for him would signal that they just don't like Rashad white anymore. I just think it's, you want to have options. And I think that would just be another option they would have. Let's talk a little more about the running back position and some of the guys that are going to be available. Now I I don't see the bucks adding another uh, running back, by trade like that doesn't seem like a very likely option for me if something ends up working out for cam Akers, that's the one situation i kind of seeing it playing out that way but one do you think the bucks look at another running back in free agency two do you think that they are more than confident with who they have left because Keyshawn vaughn we were just talking about him a couple of weeks ago having to step up on the roster uh was pretty close to being cut you know he had that unexcused day at, at, at buccaneers practice he wasn't in a very good place with the team uh, that is yesterday's news, according to Todd Bowles, and it seems like he is locked in ready for the season, but we already know what Keyshawn Vaughn is here in Tampa Bay. He's been here long enough to where we know he's probably not going to introduce that much of a significant difference uh, to this Buccaneers run game at this point in the season. So some of these free agent guys still available. Kareem Hunt still very much still out there. Kenyon Drake still out there. Uh, J.D. McKissick, who is a, game, a name that I'm sure a lot of people haven't heard in a while, but just another cheap option couple of former Bucks, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones uh, also still available. So maybe not anyone off of that list of names, but are there any other uh, are there any other free agent running backs the Bucks could could seriously consider adding, you think? 
You know, I'm I'm not really sure. Obviously, they have Patrick Laird on their practice squad. I think this would likely mean that Keyshawn Vaughn's active on game days. I believe he's been inactive the past two weeks. So uh, I would assume this means Keyshawn Vaughn enters uh, to the active roster on game days. Um, I, I think they want to wait and see first. I think they want to maybe wait a week or two, maybe. Uh, maybe something happens over the bye week if they're not really happy with how their backs have been. Uh, I, I think Kareem Hunt's probably destined to just head back to Cleveland now. He visited there today with Nick Chubb's injury. I, I would assume that's what's going to happen there. And, and like you said, I, I don't necessarily think they would pick up any of those names anyway. Those are some bigger names. And I honestly think they want to give Rashad White a shot. Like, I don't think they want to take away more snaps from him. I think they want to continue to give him a shot, and they just need some depth. So I think they're going to have Vaughn on the active roster, have somebody else be inactive for game days, and then see how it goes first before making any other move. I don't know if they'd call up Patrick Laird from the practice squad. It's like a practice squad elevation. That's a possibility for game days. Uh, but I would say the probably the most likely scenario is probably them passing on a free agent and instead trying to just roll with White, Tucker, and Vaughn as your, as your three on game days. We talk about this Buccaneers offense moving forward into the season. Let's talk about what's missing from this run game or what feels like it's missing. I think the explosive runs are probably what we feel and watch the most, the lack thereof of explosive runs. Like we, we talked about the longest run on the ground for the bucks in week one was about six yards and the longest run for the Buccaneers in week two, uh, doesn't feel like as much. I believe it was 13, right? So, I mean, you know, we're getting better week after week, but you haven't really seen, uh, Sean Tucker, Rashad white, or anyone in that backfield break open for a big 15 plus yarder, right? Where, you know, he's got nothing but daylight ahead of him, And, and there's just a couple of guys chasing him down from behind. That's what you haven't seen happen. You haven't seen this run game hit that home run yet. Now, I think it will happen at some point this season. Uh, but when you look at the Bucks running game over these first two games, yes, it has improved week to week. But what do you feel like is missing ultimately? Like, what is the biggest thing that uh, as of right now, we just have not seen from Rashad White or Sean Tucker or anyone else back there? Well, you know, when, uh, when it comes to Rashad White... A lot of people compare him to Le'Veon Bell, and I think we talked about this, like the comparison to Le'Veon Bell because of the patience and everything, and that patience can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing because sometimes you can just be too patient. And I think at times, especially in a Minnesota game, he's just too patient. You know, he doesn't hit the hole quick enough, and in the NFL, those holes close like that. So, you know, they're open for a split second, and if you don't hit it, you missed it. So uh, I do think he needs to be a little bit better with vision, a little bit better with his burst and acceleration, like – his decisiveness, um, his decision-making needs to be a little bit quicker, I, I do believe, uh, on when to hit the hole, where to hit it, and and how to power through that. Uh, as for Sean Tucker, I think kind of the same thing, but I also think, like, again, he's an undrafted free agent. You know, he's, he's trying to get his feet wet in the NFL. So I'm not going to give him too much crap for anything. Uh, I do think, again, Rashad White, they're, they're – trying out new blocking schemes or trying out new runs, uh, new running schemes. So I am going to give him a little bit of a break for the first two games. Uh, and we'll see at the bye week, you know, we'll see after the next two games, can they get a little bit better? It's not going to be easy because I mean, Philly's uh, for front seven is one of the best in football. So like, it's not an easy test. <laughs> you know, I think that the bears and Vikings were much easier tests than, you know, Rashad white was kind of up and down in both. So, 
I just think it's – I think Rashad White has the talent. I just think right now it's not all coming together right away, and that's not a bad thing because it's a long season and we're only through two games. At the same time, though, you would like to see that sooner rather than later, I think. Yeah, and Dave Canales has said before that this is a project. Like, this is something that is going to take a couple of weeks, and we should have known that coming into the season with – an inexperienced offense, a first-year play caller, you know, the, just the inexperience in the running back room alone is enough context clues for us to gather that, like, hey, maybe this isn't going to be a, a one- to two-week turnaround on the Buccaneers' run game. But I have no problem with what we've seen so far. I do agree that it does have to be more explosive. We've been missing that big home run run ability. You know, we haven't seen anyone really bust through the tacklers, get through that second wave, and then just find all of that field. But... I think it is getting better, and I think it is something the Bucks are going to build. But, yeah, a huge test coming up on Monday Night Football this week. And uh, for an undrafted free agent, Sean Tucker, who is now going to be your running back, two for the foreseeable future, uh, it's going to be a pretty tough test for him alongside Rashad White to get that run game going. But wanted to talk a little bit more about the game from last Sunday and move away from the offense, talk a little bit more about the other side of the football. Wanted to talk about Devin White in particular because after week one, we were singing his praises. Him and Levante David, uh, they were monsters on that defense. I mean, arguably, they were the two most active players on the field against the Vikings in Minnesota. But week two, seems like they quieted down a little bit. Uh, Not the best day for Devin White. You know, he had one of his best pass coverage games week one against the Vikings graded out ridiculously high. I think he was a top two graded defensive player for the Bucks. But again, we talk about that week two performance and the inconsistency. This is a guy on a contract here. Now, listen, it was just week two and it was just one game. So I'm not going to sit here and harp on it. But what did you think of uh, maybe the lack of Devin White week two against Chicago? Because I, I think there were a couple of moments where he was definitely needed out there. Yeah, and the weird thing was, it's not like he was... You know, there's been games where you know you look at the box score and he's not really on there, and then but you also watch the game and you're like, yeah, like they're targeting him and he's missing tackles and he's blowing assignments and coverage. And in this game, there's just there wasn't much. I think he might have missed like one like impact tackle. Could have had the running back wrapped up for a loss. The running back got away from him, got a, a gain of a few. Like there wasn't much that that like. He did. I don't really know how else to say it. Uh, a quiet game, you know, it might have been the, the scheme that asked them, you know, to do that. Honestly, I thought Levante David, besides the one third down stop that he had, I thought Levante David had a fairly quiet game as well um, from the linebacker position. So I just, I thought it was a weird day for the linebackers. I'm not overly concerned. Uh, and also like, you know, this is year five of Devin White. Like you sort of know, I think what to expect. Like you're not going to get a consistently great player week in and week out. I just, even if you know he has a good year and the Bucks pay him, like or somebody else does, I just don't think you're going to get for 17 weeks. You're not going to get a great linebacker every single week. And I don't even think he was that bad on Sunday. It's just sometimes the ball just don't come your way. Like sometimes the play just doesn't happen for you and and that happens sometimes it it was a weird game because like it is like okay you can criticize him but at the same time like it's not like he was out there getting completely exposed it's just he wasn't involved in a lot of these plays 
Yeah, and I mean, it happens. This isn't the first time we've seen a quiet game from the linebacker core, and maybe that's just the way that it shakes out. But two combined tackles for uh, Devin White week two, which is, again, out of the norm for him. So when you're such a polarizing player that people tend to notice more when you're not around than when you are, uh, that's definitely saying something. So hopefully Devin White can rebound next week. Let's talk some more about just some of the things we didn't get some time to cover on the postgame show. Uh, I guess this goes back to the offense, but it's just a general team discipline thing. I thought the penalties this week were not concerning, but they did get worse than they did week one. Um, seven penalties for, I believe, over 50 yards for the Bucks, And there were a couple of penalties that you wouldn't think were too costly, uh, but the one that I think of the most was on the Chase McLaughlin field goal attempt that was blocked. There was a holding call. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it was a false start on Tristan Wirfs on a third and one from the Bears 17. Forced the Bucks to throw the ball. Baker's pass fell incomplete. Bucks had to settle for a field goal. Kick is blocked. Bucks win the game, but the kick is blocked and you still leave points on the field because of ultimately a penalty that occurred a couple of plays earlier. So stuff like that. You know, we talk about some things that need to be cleaned up for the Bucks getting ready to play better teams. And the Eagles are going to be the best team they've played so far this year. Stuff like that can't happen against the Eagles. You, you, can't, you can't leave points on the field uh, against a defending NFC champion. I think there's a lot of things the Bucs have shown us that they can do well, and they probably will do well against the Eagles on Monday night. But penalties, uh, before it gets too far out of hand, I'm sure that the team knows that, but stuff like that's got to be fixed. Especially because it was a penalty from Tristan Wirfs, which is even more rare. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, that definitely hurts. And just like you said, I think even like a team that's slight, like, I think the Saints are probably better, better than the Bears. Like, you can't even do that against a team like the Saints. Like, it just, you know, you can get away with those kind of mental errors, those kind of mistakes against the bad team like the Bears, but it's not going to work against these other teams. So, especially when that results in zero points, like zero, and that's just, it's going to kill you. Like, it's just going to be an absolute, I mean, it felt like right then and there, as soon as it happened, like as soon as it went from third and one to third and six, it felt like it was a drive killer. You know, it, it honestly did. And, you know, they, they had a few mistakes, not even just like penalties, but a few mistakes like that, that like could have really killed the drives. You know, David Wells, uh, they would have said that would have set up a third and short, ends up fumbling the ball. It goes all the way back to third and 14. Now, I think the, I believe the next play, that third and 14 was the Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans touchdown. That's not going to happen every time. Most of the time, it's not like that's just that's not going to work out for you that that way. So, yeah, they have a lot to clean up uh, despite being, you know, 2-0, and uh, 2 and 0 is 2 and 0. We talked about that before. And a win is a win. You take it any way you can get it, especially in the NFL. But, like, in order to beat these other teams coming up on their schedule, they're going to have to play better. And <laughs> the next, what, five games that they have, uh, those teams have one, uh, two losses. The Eagles are 2 and 0. The Saints are 2 and 0. The Lions are 1 and 1. Falcons are 2 and 0. And the Bills are 1 and 1. So 
not going to be easy. And the Lions, you know, they went into Kansas City, beat the Chiefs, and the Bills is a short week on the road. Like, it is uh, – it's coming up on a little bit of a rough stretch here for the schedule. Even though you had the bye week in there, uh, it can be a tough stretch. So they're going to have to clean some things up. And uh, just like you said, like, about the penalties, they know that. Like, they know full well that they have to get it better. And they know that, like, yeah, against Chicago, you might get away with it. But against Philadelphia, you're probably not. So we'll see what type of effort and, you know, like hopefully a mistake-free game that they come out with on Monday night. Yeah, the Bucs this year with their coaching staff, they don't strike me as an undisciplined team. They just strike me as a team that played an undisciplined game. And sometimes in the NFL, that is big difference. Yeah, big difference, like you said. Um, you know, the Bucs have also been incredibly good on third down this year. So we talk about that third and one false start, which ultimately leads to the Baker incompletion. That's only one of three missed third down conversions they have so far this season. The Buccaneers are 20 for 23 on third down so far this season, uh, which is insane, right? It's even more crazy when you think about the slow start they had week one against Minnesota. Like, aside from the false start that we just mentioned week two, against Tristan Wirfs, and then a couple of the mishaps they had in the first half of that Vikings game, that's about it. I mean, they've been a well-oiled machine. Red zone scoring needs to be a little bit better. There were a couple of trips to the red zone that kind of like last year, you weren't able to get that home run. And again, you can get away with that taking three points against the Bears, but not always going to work. But, you know, the overall efficiency of this Buccaneers offense is certainly something that we cannot ignore because third down in particular, they have been... (laughs) I mean, they've been damn near perfect. It's kind of kind of an anomaly to see. Um, let's talk about another guy on this defense. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, we'll kind of go back and forth, I guess, on both sides of the ball here. Uh, Jamel Dean has popped up on some people's most disappointing list from last week, and it seems like a quiet season for him so far. You know, this time into the 2022 season, he was fresh off of that game against the Saints, had the big-time interception deep down the field. Uh, we were talking more and more about, hey, he's got a contract year. Jamel Dean's going to ball out. And ultimately, Jamel Dean was probably the best corner on the uh, on the team in 2022. But he's been kind of quiet. Uh, the Bucks seem like they played a lot of zone in that game against Chicago. So obviously getting beat early is one thing. Uh, but other than that, it's been a slow start for Jamel Dean over these first two games. What did you think? Uh, what do you think of him so far this year? You know... It, it's weird. The the game against Chicago, like you see him run. It's like he's got like cinder blocks in his pants. Oh no! <laughs> like 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 I I don't know. Like it was like it it was strange. I I don't know. Maybe it was the heat that was maybe getting to him a little bit. Not I don't shoes. know. Um, you know, like it, it definitely could have been. I know it was getting to some of the Bears players there. Um, obviously it was getting to Mike Evans a Mike, little bit. Yeah, he had to come out a couple of times. <laughs> Mike Evans um, took a 70 yard reception and then threw up immediately on the sideline. Yeah, but J- Jamel Dean didn't run 70 yards. Like Jamel Dean wasn't running, wasn't running like that. Just, yeah, it was a little bit strange. Like I said, I don't know. No, he did get the wind knocked out of him, uh, late in the game. Had to come out. I'm not sure if he came back, but he did tell reporters, I believe that he's like, he's okay. So there's no worry. I don't think there's any. Now, the Bucs didn't practice. We're recording this on Tuesday. The Bucs didn't practice on Tuesday, and they don't practice on Wednesday either because of the Monday night game. So we won't know uh, any sort of injury report until Thursday. Uh, So he did say he was okay. They just got the wind knocked out of him. But, yeah, it was – it was it was a weird game, and it's been a weird season. It's only two games. Like I'm not gonna be too 
too big on it because it is just two games, but it has been like a weird season for Jamel Dean. So yeah, I'm not really a hundred percent sure. I think he's going to be fine. Like in like the long term. Uh hopefully they can get Carlton Davis back uh, in the fold and they can have their starting corners. Maybe, you know, Dean will look a little bit better than being, you know, basically the number two corner being put in a little bit better spot. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Christian is he in out of, the, out of the nickel corner spot. We know the type of season he's had already. Two games, two interceptions for the undrafted free agent. Our buddy Richard T. from L.A. brings up in the chat, Zion McCollum outplayed Jamel Dean last Sunday. Did you see that? Yeah, I thought I thought McCollum had his had his moments. Um, I, I did think Izzy and actually I think Izzy and bailed out McCollum a few times. There was a few times McCollum missed a tackle and Izzy and was there. Izzy has been a really short tackler uh, so far this season. Uh, besides really that one touchdown by Alexander Madison, like, and that's still a tough. That's an open field tackle. Should make it, but it's a tough one. Uh, but yeah, there was a few times where McCollum uh, didn't complete the tackle. Izzy was able to cover up for him, but had his near first career. In interception uh almost had his first career interception looked like he did uh at first i didn't see it really the, the ball bobble or anything thought he had it didn't have it is what it is but um yeah i i do think that mccollum played well and it, it's a positive sign for his development as a player and, and for the bucks defense i think it's it is a, a a big thing that they can maybe have somebody in that corner room that if jamal dean were to go down or carlton davis were to stay down you know a toe injury is a little bit tricky there's no guarantees back so i think they could have faith in, in, in zion mccollum there after a pretty strong performance yeah, and listen, if we're going to nitpick any uh, anything else on this podcast today, I do want to take a second and talk about the tackling on this Buccaneers defense. Early in the year, stuff like this is is going to be an issue. Again, it's one of those things that, just like on the other side of the football, it's it's going to take a couple of weeks to kind of get to where it needs to be. You know, these teams get better the more that they play. So stuff like this is going to get cleaned up over the course of the season. But it's been a problem in Todd Bowles' defenses before. Uh, that's just the tackling. It's just cleaning it up, right? You know, the Bucks defense has been pretty good at keeping plays in front of them so far. But if you can't do that and you whiff a tackle on a on a five yard, you know, quick slant route, well, that that five yard reception is going to turn into 11, 12, 13 if you don't have two guys right there immediately who can bring down the ball carrier. So I, I do think that's one more thing the Bucks need to work on. Uh, is just bringing down the ball carrier after that reception. You know, we've seen it time and time again over the years where you miss one tackle, another guy maybe comes up short, and then a five-yard catch turns into 15 in a first down. So stuff like that, again, talking about things that aren't going to fly against better football teams, you just you got to clean it up. And there's still some stuff uh, that the Buccaneers do have to clean up. A couple more things I wanted to ask you about before we start to wrap it up. I know it's kind of a short show today. Did you get a chance to watch Monday Night Football last night? Saints-Panthers. If you didn't, I, I don't I blame did, you because yes. you didn't miss anything at all. It was one of the most boring games I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> yes, I I, I I did watch a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, neither one of those teams look overly impressive to me. I know there's a lot of hype about Carolina, and they just look, look a, a little rough. Like Thursday Night Football, both games last night. Both games were boring. Like, I... You know, I'm not the biggest fan of like a double header for Monday Night Football. Uh, oh, I love it. How can you not love it? It's okay. Like I, I can understand the pros and cons. I was talking to my buddy about it, and I said, like, you know, like I understand from a viewer perspective, having multiple games to watch is cool. I think it's cool having two games to switch back and forth. But like, if I'm a fan of my team, 
and they're playing on Monday Night Football like the Bucks are very much next Monday night. I feel like having two games kind of takes away the prestige of playing on primetime to begin with. Like, like Monday Night uh, Football, Sunday Night Football, everyone's watching you. Uh, see, I don't care. I get it. Yeah. I don't, and, and here's the thing. Over the years, Monday Night Football and Thursday Night Football have both become, I think, a little more watered down because almost everybody gets a Monday Night Football and a Thursday oh, Night Football yeah, game. Sure. It's like, yeah. like Sunday Night Football is the premier one, right? I don't think they'll ever do a doubleheader Sunday Night Football thing. But like everybody now gets a Monday Night Football or a Thursday Night Football game. Um, so it's it's not what it used to be, right? So I, I did want to answer a few questions in the chat. G Vegas said, how much do you think Evans' camp is demanding? Um, I can't really speak for my camp. Uh, I don't know how much we are demanding, but uh, no. So we, we still the, got a the, couple months till the off season. We'll negotiate yeah. that when we come to it. Yeah, well, when, when that time comes, well, I'll let my agent handle that. But uh, no, the the rumor, and this is never it was never confirmed by anybody or anything. The rumors was that he was maybe looking for a similar contract that Cooper Cup got from the Rams, which was a three year deal worth a little over eighty million. Um, in total, I obviously the Bucks did not agree with that, or else the contract would have been signed. I think the Bucks were probably a little bit closer to like a Chris Godwin type deal, or it was like about three years, sixty million. Yeah, closer, uh, probably closer around to that some, twenty million average. Yeah, probably somewhere around there. So uh, that's what I would guess. And then Bucks raised bolts also said. What price on Cam Akers? What to give up? I I would imagine it'd be like a sixth round pick at, at most. Like I can't imagine it's going to cost much. It's widely documented that the Rams do not like really want him around anymore. He's not like some high profile Jonathan Taylor type player either. So I would imagine you'd be able to get him fairly cheap, maybe at the most like a conditional fifth round pick. If the conditions like Tampa Bay has to win their division or something, and then you get the fifth round, I don't know. But like, I, I would imagine it's, it's not going to cost much at all. And that's why we talked about Cam Akers being, in my opinion, the only solid trade option for the Bucks right now, if they even want to pursue a running back, because there's no one else out there that they could trade for. You know, Jonathan Taylor, no way. There, there's no chance. Uh, he ends up in Tampa Bay. Like, there's a couple of other names that they could target, but I just don't think it's very realistic. But like you had brought up, the price tag for Acres is going to be relatively low, considering he's already not favored in L.A. Um, guy had a decent season last year, too. I think he had seven or eight touchdowns last year, almost a thousand yards, but not quite. I think he came up a couple hundred short. But you know, he's been an on again, off again type of player. Had a touchdown week one for the Rams. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. literally scored a touchdown last week. And uh, here he is on the trade block. But, yeah, definitely an interesting situation with him in L.A. Uh, I can't remember the last time we saw a Bucks running back not necessarily run out of town. But, again, the more you hear about the details between, you know, Cam Akers and the Rams and Sean McVay not being too high on this guy, uh, kind of a tough spot to be in. G Vegas yeah, moderator yeah, yeah, with a follow-up question here. Does Coach Wanish demand some Dion Shane's Wendy Biggie Meal a day and the take bag segment? Uh, as long as we play his theme music, I, I believe that that's usually how it works, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, dude, I want to see how – does any of you guys remember what my theme music is? I know, obviously, Rhett does. I want to see if any of the chat does uh, really quick. Before we wrap up, we'll, we'll let you oh, guys this is, this try, is a, try this and answer that. I will be shocked. 
if I'll anyone be knows this, but I, I Willie Beeman should know this. G <laughs> Vegas should probably know this. Gene maybe should know this. There's a couple <laughs> yes. people in here, I think, who should know this one, but it's been a long time since we've acknowledged it's been a long time. It. Yeah. It's been a long time. So yeah. not not gonna shame anybody if they don't. But if you do, put it in the chat. Um, really quick, and I'm not trying to burst anyone's bubble or anything like that, but the Bucks are two and oh, and that's great. Uh however, like I still think there are some questions. Like, because here's the here's the thing. They're two and oh. The two teams that they beat are combined 0 and 4. Okay. Like I and I think the Vikings are a fine team. Like I think the Bears are bad. Like the, the Bears are a bad team. The Vikings that's a good win to go on the road in Minnesota, beat that team week one. Uh, but as far as like the expectations for the rest of the season, uh, yeah, I just want to keep it into perspective. You know, like the 2018 Bucks went two and to start the year. Beat the defending Super Bowl. Like the Eagles at that time were the defending Super Bowl champions. They went into New Orleans week one, beat the Drew Brees and the Saints, and then also, you know, went and beat the defending Super Bowl champions and the Eagles to start 2 0. They finished 5 11. So I'm not saying that's going to happen with this team. However, like I think it's a big test coming up these next five games that I mentioned. I think it's a big litmus test to see, okay. We know this team can beat the bad teams, right? That they can they can beat the Vikings, they can beat the Bears. Can they beat a good team? Can they hang with a good team? And I think these next two games before this bye week is going to tell you a lot because I don't know how good the Saints are, but like I think going into New Orleans, like that's a tough game. I think the Saints probably better than the Vikings and definitely better than the Bears. So like I do think it's a tough game. So I'm curious to see how they're going to play these next couple of games. I think it's going to be pretty critical on an outlook for how the rest of the season is going to go. I think there's going to be a heavy emphasis on playing a clean game. And the way that we have seen this Buccaneers offense win games so far is by effectively running the football and winning the time of possession battle. I mean, winning the turnover battle is obviously going to go a long way as well. And we'll talk more on the game preview coming up later this week on what kind of shape the Eagles are in. We already heard Jalen Hurts say that his shoulders only at 60 to 70%, which does bode well for the Bucks, but still means he can probably air it out on you. Um, you know, playing a clean game, winning the turnover battle is one thing, but for the Buccaneers offense, the biggest thing that I am looking for is if they can effectively control the clock again the way that they have. And the run game, like we had talked about in the first half of the show, is going to be a huge, huge factor in whether they are able to do that effectively or not. I think that song means it's about time to wrap up this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Uh, Evan, any final thoughts? Not really. Um, great song. It's a great theme song. Yeah. It really is a, a great theme song. So, uh, yeah, no, no, not, not really. Final thoughts are, uh, you know, obviously the Bucks are Bucks are 2-0. Now you're moving on to, to Philly. So we'll have the game preview out sometime this week. It, not sure if it'll be Friday. Might be Friday. Might not be. Don't Because the game's on Monday night. So right. we'll see. Might want to wait till the final injury report's out and everything like that. So we'll see. But we will have a game preview out either way. So we'll see if the Bucks can go 3-0 for the first time uh, since 2005. They've been 2 2-0 a bunch of times, but have failed to go to 3-0. and 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the the rest of the way this season ends up playing out. I'm excited. This is, I mean, this is one of the more exciting seasons in recent memory. And it's crazy because I say that off of the heels of Tom Brady. Don't get me wrong. Those were all-time great seasons, like unmatched levels of energy. But when we get back into the dirt and we get back into, you know, the nitty-gritty of, of building this team with the resources the Bucks have, uh, just the improvement we've seen week to week, what this team looks like on a week-in, week-out basis gets me excited because I still, after two games, still don't entirely know what to expect. And, like, that's fun. You know, by year three of Brady, we knew what to expect. Um, and even then, we didn't exactly see what we expected. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight live on YouTube. I know it was a shorter show, but not that much to talk about. Just wanted to cover some things that we missed from the game reaction stream. And of course, talk about the potential Cam Akers news. Uh, I guess we can announce this here now because we'll say it again later this week, but there will not be a post-game call-in show this coming Monday night uh, for Bucks Eagles. Pretty sure I will be at the game in attendance. Um, and it's also going to be late as hell. I know it's the 7 o'clock game, right? So it's the first of the two Monday night yes. games, so I should be getting out of there at a decent time, which bodes well for getting home and getting enough sleep to be ready to go at you know 4.30 in the morning for work the next day. But, uh, yeah, no call-in show that night, so be on the lookout for that Tuesday. We'll probably be live sometime that day taking your calls and, of course, talking about the game win, lose, or draw. Thank you again. Richard T. from... The West Coast, G Vegas, and Willie Beeman, the moderators holding it down. Hello, Sue Wanish. Will the Brewer is in here as well. KIF, our buddy Gene Thomas from Buck, what you heard, and anybody else that I may have missed. Christopher Cole, Family First 04, Bucks Nation. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Follow the show on social media Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What you got this week? Yeah, obviously going to be focused on the Eagles now. So going to have uh, my X Factor player to watch uh, out sometime this week before the game. So be on the lookout for that. Sounds good. Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T. AKUS, if you follow me, I will follow you back. Our game preview show expected to be Saturday, uh, but maybe we'll jump on here between now and then and talk to you guys again regarding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Be on the lookout for some extra content this week over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. Thank you again for listening. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.